Hey, this is Matt Gardner with the California Technology Council. In today's episode, we're going to put a special spotlight on Riverside, California. Before we do that, we're going to spend a moment with the spent. Thanks to the members of The Spent, a band that is virtual and gets together once a year to record new tracks, featuring Kevin and Mark, two guys who met in California in the early 90s. Uh, thanks again, gentlemen. You can find them at facebook.com slash The Spent. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk to two entrepreneurs whose startups were born out of the Inland Empire. And part of the reason this has special value for us right now is that coming up soon, we'll have a first pitch digital health at USC. That's Wednesday, November 8th, and you can find more information at californiatechnology.org. You can support all of our podcasts on Patreon, and you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you could take a moment to review us on whatever platform you listen to, we'd appreciate it. And to find us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash catechcouncil. Now, our first pitch series is governed by a scientific advisory board that includes representation from NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, the Stevens Center for Innovation at USC, and UC Riverside. That's just part of the reason we wanted to put this spotlight on Riverside. Just before we get to that, let's hear a word from our sponsors at Nixon Peabody. Nixon Peabody, LLP. We see 21st century law as a tool to help shape our clients' futures. For more information, please visit www.nixonpeabody.com. This will be the first of a three-part spotlight on Riverside. Now let's get into part one with Paul Zorner of SensoryGen. On this very special episode of Inside the Founder Studio, we're crossing over into our usual series on Startup Spotlight as we talk about the startup community in Riverside and having a conversation with Paul Zorner, the chairman and CEO of SensoryGen, a company that was founded out of the university there. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Paul, could you start with the, the introduction of SensoryGen, what the company is and, and what market it's trying to address? Yeah, SensoryGen has a really cool technology I just became fascinated with, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later in terms of how we founded and started the company. But in essence, you know, when we're talking to investors, we, we, we talk about being pioneers in the use of computational neurobiology to discover natural molecules that can influence the, the behavior of animals, humans and insects and other things as well. But the, the, the simple story is we, we really were focused uh, at the beginning on uh, developing new classes of repellents for insects. So I, I just gave a, a talk at uh, uh, North Carolina State University. I, I just titled it, Just Go Away, you know, using computational biology to uh, uh, to, to influence insects, especially insects that are carrying disease. And as you, as you, you know, you can't even pick up a newspaper these days without reading about Zika. Uh, but with global warming and, and many other aspects, it appears as though both agriculture and, and, and humans themselves and their homes and their pets and their animals are, are being subjected to a whole new wave of, of uh, insect-borne pathogens. And so our, our primary market is the development of, of naturally occurring repellents to help keep those insects away from our plant, our food, ourselves, our homes, and our pets. So uh, it, it sounds like the the markets for this, Paul, are uh, domestic and commercial. Are are, uh, are you trying to attack everything at once, or, or how do you begin? Yeah, no, yeah, good. Yeah, good question. So we have three verticals that we're working on. 
Uh, one is personal protection, you know, mosquitoes, bed bugs, ticks, fleas, a whole variety of things. Uh, the other is agricultural applications, uh, uh, you know, things that the listeners might be familiar with would be spotted wing drosophila or Asian citrus psyllis, which are decimating small fruits or, or citrus. Uh, with a with a variety of insect-borne diseases. Then we also have a platform for for influencing human taste uh, and, and and smell uh, responses. And that the business model isn't necessarily to sell these things directly ourselves, but to find people who already own the channel in many of these aspects. Uh, you know, somebody like S. C. Johnson that is a major supplier of DEET in certain markets. Uh, uh, we actually do have a, a contract with a with a large beverage company to take a look at uh, human uh, taste perception. I, I can't talk too much about that because we're, we're we're being asked to keep that confidential at this particular point in time. Uh, and then in the agricultural aspects, we we have uh, uh, placed an option with another company that I founded called Locus Agricultural Solutions that's focused on bringing green chemistry to agriculture. And so we're like an intellectual clearinghouse, if you will in which we have done the early stage discovery and, and, and uh, uh, development, and then are looking to find partners that can actually help us to take it commercial And each of those three verticals. So interesting point about how you get into the supply chain. It sounds like you're, you're going very much at a, at a B2B approach as opposed to trying to directly address consumer products or something like that. So could, uh, Absolutely, because we're, we're, we're kind of three guys in a pickup truck. You know, yeah. <laughs> And we could talk a little bit about, about the reason for that. We've, we've been a little bit in stealth mode. We've raised a little bit of money, but uh, are still working on that. But, but frankly, my view is that, you know, let's take agriculture as an example. Agriculture is local and it's trust-based. You know, there's, there's no reason to try to rebuild a Monsanto or a Dow uh, in terms of placing development reps and salespeople in the field. It's expensive. And it just takes a long time. And so why not go to people, large distributors or other trusted local advisors that have those relationships and the trust built in the community and, and, and you know, sell our products and develop our products through them. Uh, and the same thing might, might exist in terms of uh, uh, you know, personal protection, in terms of repellents. You know, we're taking a look at developing lotions and sprays and all kinds of things. But, but getting on the shelf in Walmart and, and CVS and a variety of places like that is hard. So why not work with people who already have that shelf space, know how to market these things, and, and can, can actually take our innovations and, and, and do a good thing. So we're having some very good and healthy discussions with a variety of people that do have those positions in the market. And there's a lot of interest, especially with Zika, as I mentioned earlier. You know, so obviously you've done this a bunch of times, and, and you've been a – uh, you know, a, a first employee and a CEO a number of times. You've been an investor. You've been kind of at every seat at the table. Let, let's go way back, and, and, and could you talk about how this uh, represents a, a kind of fruition of lots of your experiences going all the way back to mycogen and, and um, how you've put all that experience to work with SensoryGen? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, actually, because I, I, I like to talk about this. Because the one thing that I fell in love with with Anand is he basically has digitized the early discovery process. You know, I, I, I think, as you well know, I, I read screens for BASF and Dow early in my career. And at one point, I was the chief scientist for Dow Chemical Global Biotechnology Platform. And classically, the way that people, whether it's pharmaceuticals or, or agriculture, people find new molecules by synthesizing a bunch of chemistry which is time-consuming and expensive, 
then testing them one by one or certainly broadly in, in, in biological screens to see if they have activity that would be useful. You set up use-based screens. And you need to have a laboratory, and you need to have people, and you need to have chemists, and you need, you know, it's, it's, it's years worth of time and millions of dollars of investment. And what Anand has done and, and is, is he said, look, there, there, we certainly know that there are compounds out there that repel insects, DEET, carotene, lemon eucalyptus oil, a variety of things. But, but when you look at them, those are two-dimensional structures. He said, but, you know, it's, it's more complicated than that. There's, you know, there's space-filling models, electron density, log P, PKA, you know, a thousand different things that actually describe that chemistry. And so he took that, he built algorithms, uh, you know, computer-based models that said, well, gosh, let's study what attributes of those things are common because they're different structures. And then he, 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 he tested those in terms of the algorithm and saw the SU is comfortable that it actually did describe something. But then he screened a half a million compounds from a natural chemicals library uh, to kind of predict just randomly out of all that what might be active. And lo and behold, he's 80% correct in terms of what he came up with. So in other words, he, he digitized the biology and the interaction of the small molecule with whatever receptors in the insects that cause them to, to just stay away from a particular small molecule. Uh, and as a result, all, all that time and effort and necessity of making individual compounds goes away. And you could actually run a discovery program with a couple of people in a really high-powered computer. And so, you know, in terms of the culmination of my experiences as, as, a, as a scientist and a manager and a CEO and an investor, like, wow, we, we've actually compressed the time necessary and compressed the dollars and resources necessary to find interesting new chemistry. And it's just the power of today's, you know, information technology platform, uh, 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 digital biology, uh, receptor-based chemistry, all that, all wrapped into one in one nice little handy computer program to basically get you to the point where you only have to work with the compounds that are active don't have to go through this complicated, expensive screening process. It's interesting, too, isn't it, that we've been through at least two prior cycles like this where people thought all the answers would be in computational biology in the 90s and then again after the Human Genome Project, and we really didn't have the computing power to run models like this at scale until now. Yeah, right, that a guy sitting in his home office has a computer powerful enough to kind of lease software that will help you design what you need to do, and then also that the access electronically to all these molecules in electronic form, because that was an important part of it as well, that we basically digitized a bunch of science, and so now creative people like Anandre at UC Riverside can sit down and, and utilize access to that information. Uh, Friedman was right, the world is flat. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, a smart person in Mozambique could be doing this just as well as Anand. I'm glad Anand did it because it's a long trip to Mozambique. But uh, uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of innovation like this, and, and you can read a lot of articles, and certainly in the pharma space, where people are getting to do this. But here's a great example of, of, of it having been done. He's very he's been very successful at this, and he's got we've got probably 25 distinct leads, 23 classes of chemistry uh, that they're as good or better than beet. Uh, and and uh, uh, probably 20 lead molecules out of those 23 classes of chemistry, and 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 not not only are they efficacious, 
but several of them are, well, all of them are natural molecules. Seven of them are registered food additives. And you never would have thought, wow, who would have thought that would be an insect repellent? And, and then they, they happen to smell nice. And I don't know if you've ever used DEET, but DEET smells terrible. It, 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 it's very oily. Uh, if you spray it on rayon or fine clothing or electronics, it'll actually melt it. And so he was also able to, thinking about that, say, well, let's not only select molecules that are effective, but let's also tilt the algorithm into those that are going to smell nice, that aren't going to be solvents, and they're going to have different physical properties so we can formulate them properly into creams and lotions. I just, it's absolutely remarkable. And so the computer runs and it spits these things out, and he's he developed a method of then testing, you know, for, for the efficacy in a biological fashion. And sure enough, like I said, he's got about an 80% hit rate right now on things that are, that are active as he would have predicted them to be. So, so you guys have been at this for a little while. Can you uh, go back to the beginning of, of this particular company and, and tell us a little bit about how you and Anand knew that you had something? When, when was that aha moment? Well, okay. So um, Anand is, is the, the director of the, the, the Center for Disease Control at UC Riverside, and he's had about $2 million worth of grants into his program. Uh, uh, and I met him through uh, Leslie Hickel, who is a, a, a colleague that I work with at both Mycogen and Diversa, uh, who is also an advisor for UC Riverside. She's a graduate and advises the, the chancellor on, on, you know, how to take innovative technology forward. And so Leslie knew I'd had a lot of experience in starting companies, so she introduced us uh, in oh, probably July of 2014. So I met with Mike Pisani, who's the Vice Chancellor for Research, and Anand together, and they were telling me this story. And, and Mike's a, a really great guy. He's got a great vision. He likes to take entrepreneurs within the university and pair them up with experienced venture capital slash private equity slash people that have started companies as kind of two in a box, if you will, to kind of determine if there's a way of actually making something useful out of this. And so as I told you, I fell in love with the technology and I fell in love with the nod. He's just he's so great in terms of what he does and his receptivity to to advice. And so we, we actually formed a Delaware C Corp in November of 2014. Uh, did it did it very quickly, just the two of us. Uh, uh, Anand put a little bit of money into it personally, and, and we've raised just a little bit more, but uh, then put together a business model and started to reach out to different people, and uh, we recruited another former colleague of mine from Mycogen, Judy mueller Cohn, who's an entomologist and a molecular biologist, to come in and, and act as the COO, so there's just three of us. And we're, 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 we're having a lot of fun, you know, evaluating the patents and helping prosecute those and setting up the business relationships. As I said, we successfully negotiated a, a nice contract with a beverage company to take a look at human uh, taste perception and are continuing to work through uh, our interactions with various uh, other companies in terms of the insect repellents. Uh, we, we, we meet on a regular basis. We, you know, act like a real company. We, we have a budget. Uh, we've got a bridge note out that we're working to fill. We, we have, you know, standing weekly meetings, and we've got a few consultants we've hired to help with all this. It's fun, but it's just, it's just reduced down. It's a virtual company in a way, uh, but as effective as any, any startup that I've ever been involved in. Well, with all these mycogen people involved, it's only a matter of time before Jerry Calder writes a check, right? Yeah, right. I don't think so. We're a little early for Finister. As you know, I'm a venture partner at Finister Ventures. 
uh, and, and Jerry is the chairman of, of Finister, and I have talked with them about this. We're a little early for Finister. They're, they're, they, they, you know, that would be more of a Series A investment. We're not quite there yet. But they, they've been great in terms of their advice, in terms of how to proceed. You know, yes, because well, it's only example, a matter of time. I'm sure, it's out. only a matter of time. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. We'll get there. <laughs> Certainly, but but one thing that really has has struck me here too. You know, there's a maybe this sounds a little strange, but you know, I, I think there's an ethical obligation to to develop this technology as well. The world's hurting. You know, it's, Zika certainly is a terrible thing that has a lot of people scared. But, you know, there are 800 million people a year that are infected by not just Zika, but malaria and dengue fever and Chagas disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever, you name it. There's a tremendous amount of suffering in the world that goes on because people are, are impacted heavily, personally, by insect-borne diseases. And, and, you know, most people can't afford it. actually, it's a $250 million market, but only in Europe and the USA. It's, it's expensive enough that, that, you know, people in India and Africa, as you know, I've worked in both those locations, they can't afford it. So they just get bit. And, and we think not only are these things effective, but because they're, a lot of them are FEMA grass and already registered food additives actually made at scale, we think we can offer these things uh, at, at, at really competitive low prices to kind of help people globally, not just in the first world as well. Right? So that keeps us going as well because we know we can have an impact upon the world in a meaningful way with these things. Well, and, and you know, that global health application would make you an impact business in a way that attracts a whole other category of investors. Right. No, we're, 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 we're beginning to reach out to those folks. And what, what we're trying to do now is we're, we're setting up independent third-party trials to, to show that outside of our hands, these things have the efficacy that we, we show as well. And that's what's needed, as you well know, in the real world. People love stories like this, but in the end, it comes down to, okay, well, where's your data Yeah. Uh, and trials? And so that's what we're focused on right now. Uh, this has been a few minutes with Dr. Paul Zorner, the chairman and CEO of Sensorgen. Paul, thanks for joining us for both Startup Spotlight and for Inside the Founder Studio. We appreciate your time. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. This has been part one of our three-part series, Putting the Spotlight on Riverside. A couple of notes on changes at Sensorygen since our recording. Uh, since the time that we recorded with Dr. Zorner, he's stepped down as chairman of Sensorygen to focus on his company, Locus, which is a CTC member. So we appreciate uh, all the connections to Dr. Zorner. And in the interim, uh, Tom Stone's been named CEO of SensoryGen. Uh, Tom is a former air environment guy, so we uh, look forward to getting to know more about the new directions of the company. Uh, in the next episode, we'll spend uh, more time with uh, Dr. Zorner on Riverside, and we'll uh, transition over to learn about uh, sensory innovations with Stephen Abbott. Thanks again to Paul Zorner, to our friends at Nixon Peabody for underwriting the series, and of course to the band The Spent. You can find them at facebook.com slash The Spent. Uh, their song Highway has been featured on this episode. And check out our upcoming calendar at californiatechnology.org slash events. I especially want to draw your attention to our first pitch digital health event at USC on Wednesday, November 8th. Don't forget to subscribe to the California Technology Council's podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And you can support these podcasts at Patreon. You can find us there at patreon.com slash CA Tech Council. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time. Startup Spotlight is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.